When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode contains explicit language. Before we get started, the Mom and Dad crew want to let you know how heartbroken we all are after yet another senseless, tragic shooting. We recorded today's episode before the shooting in Texas. That's why you won't hear us talk about it today. However, we will, sadly, return to this topic soon. In the meantime, if you want to learn more about how you can take action against gun violence, visit everytown.org. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, May 26th, the So Many Questions edition. I'm Zach Rosen. I make a podcast called The Best Advice Show, and I live in Detroit with my family. My daughter Noah is four, and my son Ami is one. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's five. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado, but I am coming to you from Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. I'm Scott Hershevitz. I'm the author of Nasty British and Short, Adventures in Philosophy with My Kids. I teach law and philosophy at Michigan. I've got two boys, Rex, who's 12, Hank, who's nine, and we live in Ann Arbor. So great to have another Michigander on the show today. Thrilled to be here. We got the case of a curious kid today, and she's just trying to figure out the world, but the questions are getting big. Our letter writer wants to know how he can nurture his daughter's curiosity while still keeping her grounded. Not grounded like in trouble, but, you know, not floating away into space with all her thoughts. Then on Slate Plus, some of the wisest and funniest things come out of the mouths of kids. We're going to talk about some hilarious things that our kids have said over the years. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. So when he came home, my mom said, you know, like, hey, why did you choose to be an angel? And he said, well, first of all, I have angel hair because he has this white hair. Second of all, I look pretty good in white. And number three, I don't really like sheep. If you want a weekly bonus segment from us and your other Slate favorites, consider signing up for Slate Plus. You'll also get to listen ad-free and get unlimited access to the Slate website. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash plus. Again, that's slate.com slash plus. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive into our triumphs and fails of the week. If you're new to our show, welcome. Whether you're a parent, educator, or just interested in this wild journey, we're so glad to have you. Here on Mom and Dad Are Fighting, we share our parenting triumphs and fails, offer some advice, and share recommendations of things we love. We're here twice a week on Monday and Thursday, so subscribe to never miss an episode. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. 
For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. We're back and moving on to some parenting stories from our week. Scott, do you have a triumph or fail to share with us this week? I do. I've got a triumph wrapped up in a fail. So we'll start with the fail. We took our kids to London recently to do promotion for the book. We wanted it to feel like something had happened in their lives when the book comes out. And actually not much really goes on the day a book comes out. It's just like Amazon starts delivering it. So we took them to London and we brought them home. And the day after we got home, our oldest Rex tested positive for COVID. So after two and a half years of keeping them healthy, we we had that fail. But then wrapped up in that there was a triumph. He's been uh, in his room isolating on, alone because the three of us are still miraculously testing negative. And uh, so he's entertaining himself with his devices. And I thought that was mostly playing video games. But then on Sunday, he sent me a note with a link to a Google Doc where he'd assigned himself an essay and, and done some research. And he had written, he had watched some videos about Aristotle and Kant and their views about the good life. And he wrote me a one-page essay about what he thinks a good life is. And I got to say, it was pretty good. And he told me he tried to do it in my style. So I took it as just a huge compliment. I mean, he did say, is this really your job? I can't believe how bored I am after an hour. So maybe it's like a fail wrapped up in a triumph wrapped up in a fail. But it it was really sweet and impressive that that Sally entertained himself. I love this. This is like, don't they say like boredom, right? Like breeds creativity. I mean, one of the things I'm always preaching to my kids is that boredom is good for them. Like, it's amazing what you will find in your boredom. So here... I think this is a win. This is what they have found. Yeah, totally. That was my mother's view too, actually, is I'd complain that I was bored at school and she'd say, look, the world wasn't made for you. You know, find a way to entertain yourself. And yeah, just surprising that this is the way he did it, but super cool. If you're comfortable sharing, can you tell us a highlight of what the good life is to him? So, you know, the content was kind of interesting after sort of giving a like a thumbnail summary of Aristotle and Kant, he kind of expressed skepticism that there's a right answer to this question and thought maybe we we each get to decide for ourselves, which I think is true within a range. But I also think there's some answers that are out of bounds. So we had some conversations about that afterwards. He is truly a philosopher's son. How about you, Elizabeth? What's going on on your end? So we left on this trip on Saturday, and we record today as a Tuesday. This would have been Henry's last day of school today, but instead we had his last day on Friday because we pulled him out early to take this trip as we do. So Friday was kind of crazy. I volunteer at school on Fridays. We had this big volunteer luncheon and pizza Friday. And when we get into the car, Henry has this giant antler with him and he goes to school in the woods. And so this is very kind of normal. And 
and I'm like, hey, are you supposed to take this antler? He's like, yes, I'm definitely allowed to take this antler. I'm like, okay. So we get into the car. We go then to a friend's house who has offered to feed us since we are leaving on the trip on Saturday. So we go to the friend's house. I put my phone down. Don't think anything about it. And when we get back into the car and I pick up my phone, there is a voice memo from a father at school (laughs) who says, hey, when they were on this perimeter hike where they hike the four miles that surround the school, my daughter and your son found this antler, Henry, made some kind of arrangement to pay $40 to get to keep the antler. And so his daughter showed up at home with $40 and my child showed up with the antler. So, of course, I have a conversation with Henry. Hey, is this what happened? Yes, we found it together. I offered to pay her. Okay, how did you come up with this amount? You know, did you talk to a teacher? No, we didn't talk to any teachers. We Googled the going value of antlers. We decided that this was a pretty good, like, typically you would buy them online, gosh knows where, for like $80, $100 since we each found it. I was paying my half. It was like, okay, we don't take money to school and purchase things. The antler probably belongs to School in the Woods. He's like, totally cool, right? So I actually, because it's the dad, I texted the dad back. And then Jeff kind of said that he would make the phone call and handle this. I was handling last minute packing. There was also a snowstorm hitting Colorado Springs. We got about 15 inches between Friday and Saturday. And so we said to this other father, hey, we're leaving. We will kind of deal with this when we get back because he was anxious to return the money. We also wanted to make sure that the antler got back to school in the woods. So we were like, listen, can you just send the money in with your daughter, have her give it to one of Henry's two good friends whose moms volunteer there with me all the time. We will do the same with the antler. Everything will get back there. I don't know if this dad didn't think that we were going to return the antler or what was going to happen, but he was like, well, we want to come pick up the antler and make sure it gets to school in the woods tomorrow. So we're like, okay, I can put it on my porch and in this snowstorm, you can come get the antler if it is that big <laughs> deal. So I put a box out on the porch. This man came, got the antler, $40 was put under our patio. And I feel like I handled some kind of like terrible wildlife, like poaching <laughs> situation. <laughs> like it just the whole thing, you know, I was just thinking like, gosh, what a weird way to end our time there. I, of course, talked to the principal on the phone. He was like, oh, no, stuff like this happens all the time. (laughs) Like, okay. I definitely think Henry understands now we shouldn't be buying things from people at school. We definitely shouldn't be buying parts of animals. Like, that was part of our conversation and, of course, is part of the learning going on. But just the, like, untangling of it. And, you know, when I got the initial voicemail, I just knew, like, this is going to be such a bigger problem than just, like, returning the antler and getting money back. Do you know what I mean? Like I just could tell it was going to be this whole thing um, because it always is. But in the end, everything's fine. But it just felt like, oh, another another weird thing (laughs) that I have to deal with parenting that I was not prepared for. The law professor in me just loves what they did though, right? Like they found this thing in the world, which they took to be unowned. They claimed it. They took themselves to have an equal and undivided interest. And then they figured out a solution to that problem. They appraised the value of the item and they reached an agreement about who was going to buy the other one out. It's like, that's a triumph. 
Exactly. And and honestly, like when we approached it, you know, with many things in parenting, it's like not as cut and dry, right? Because I was like, I love that you didn't steal it, right? You could have taken it. You know, they were both like, oh, it was off of school property, which... <laughs> You know, technically it was. I mean, you're absolutely right. They solved a much larger problem. Unfortunately, they were missing this small ethical piece, right? (laughs) But yes, I mean, I think many lessons were learned. I should look at it, though. You're right. Like, he came to a problem and really solved it. And in a capitalist society, really did the right thing. We were both like, you kind of got a great deal, right? (laughs) Like, $40 for an antler. It's it's pretty good. Should we be selling them? I don't know, but... (laughs) It's place-based forest school at its best. Yeah, with money. I mean, so really, you know, all of this stems back to the day that Henry took the dog walking job. Like this all stems back to the fact that he makes way too much money for a 10-year-old. And that's something we're constantly now trying to control. Like it was good that he took this job. It's lots of responsibility, but he gets paid really well. And so he now has the ability to buy and spend money. He's taking his antler money to school is is interesting because you never know when you're gonna when you're gonna need it. I know, I know. Jeff and I are like, I guess now we need to open like a bank in the house and you need to deposit your cash. (laughs) No, you can like get your cash out of the bank when we say it's okay. I don't know. Listeners, if you have any ideas of what to do with a 10-year-old who's making too much money because he got a job and he's really good at it, so more people keep hiring him, let me know. Zach, how's your week going? You know, my week is going really well. I feel rejuvenated because I spent this past weekend on an annual friend trip with this group of guy friends who I've been like best friends with since kindergarten, literally. We like rent a house in Michigan somewhere every year, sometimes twice a year. And so we had that weekend and going into it, I was just feeling so burnt out. I was losing my patience and just like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I can't be a dad right now. And the weekend did exactly what I was hoping it would. Gave me a chance to bond with my buddies and relax and just hang out. But then also I'm just noticing having come back from it, my patience is back and I'm just thinking about people who just don't have the opportunity to leave their kids at all. I just have so much respect for you because man, a break is to me foundational and essential to be a person who shows up as a parent most of the time. So if there's any way you can get a break, I I highly recommend it because I don't know what I would do without it. So thanks to my wife for watching the kids this weekend and uh, shout out to all my to all my fellas who I was on the trip with. It was really nice. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I always pledge that I'm going to do more of that than I never do. Putting my own oxygen mask on first, because that's really what you did was give yourself some much needed space. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I trade weekends often. Like she got one with her friends a month or two ago and then, yeah, couldn't recommend it more. Let's take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into today's listener question. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, 
climate change and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's hear today's listener question being read, as always, by the sensational Shasha Leonard. Dear mom and dad are fighting. I'm the father of a very precocious, sometimes anxious eight-year-old daughter. You might be able to relate to this. With her, the questions don't end. Where was I before I was born? Can ants feel pain? Why do I have to go to school? You and mom get to sleep together. Why do I have to sleep alone? Who is God? Is Putin going to hell? I'm usually enchanted by her questions and game to do my best to answer them. But I sometimes feel like she can kind of spin into a bit of a loop when she gets obsessive in trying to get to the bottom of things. Beyond therapy, what can we as her parents do to nurture her wonder while also helping maintain some kind of feeling of mental peace? Yours, Head Scratching Dad. Scott, as the philosopher here, I imagine you have some some really helpful things to say. What do you, how does this question strike you? So, you know, when I heard it the first time, I found myself sort of confused as to who was feeling overwhelmed. Is it dad that's feeling overwhelmed or is it daughter that's feeling overwhelmed? And I kind of get the impression that maybe it's a little bit of both. So let me try and break it down into like thoughts for dad and then thoughts for daughter. For dad, I want to say something I think he's already onto, which is like, this is a really wonderful thing about your daughter. And actually, lots of kids are like this. They're filled with big questions about the world. And your daughter's right in the sweet spot of the age where they're interested in deep questions, like where was I before I was born? Or who is God? And that's not going to last forever. And so it's really worth enjoying while you can. And I think dad knows that. But I just want to, you know, highlight again, how super cool this phase of childhood is. The second thing I'll say for dad, if he's feeling overwhelmed by just the constant stream of questions is you can try and redirect them into the times when they're most fruitful to engage or you have the most space or attention or energy for engaging them. So in our house, that's often bedtime. You know, we read a story together every night, but I sometimes offer my younger son, Hank, a choice between we can have a story or we can have what he calls a man-to-man chat. And then he gets to pick the topic of the chat. And sometimes there are big questions like this. And I love to have those conversations at that time because the house is quiet and there aren't other distractions. And strategically, like Hank is trying to extend his bedtime. So he like wants to have these conversations and it's often really fun. The last thing I want to say to dad is just picked up on one word in the question. He says, I'm game to do my best to answer them. And I want to encourage dad to like think of his role differently, right? So sometimes you're asked questions and it's your job to answer them. But sometimes I think with these deeper questions, it's not your job to answer them. It's your job just to engage in a kind of collaborative conversation and explore the world with your kid. So Jana Morlone runs the, the philosophy learning and teaching organization out of Washington State. She goes into schools and she talks to kids about philosophy. And she says that um, she doesn't teach them philosophy. She does philosophy with them. And I want to encourage dad to see his role as not I have to answer this, but I can say, what do you think? And then, you know, think of it as like an exploration together. And then like, it seems like maybe daughter's feeling overwhelmed too. And I think if in, in this role, I think as dad, I'd want to just communicate that, you know, 
we don't really know the answer to a lot of these questions and the uncertainty is okay. And to tell her that people have been thinking of these questions for thousands of years and struggling to answer them, we're not going to find the answer tonight, but we can keep coming back to these issues and you can keep coming back to these issues. I might even tell her there's a job, right? You know, you can be a philosopher someday and you can worry about these questions as a profession. And maybe that's something that'll interest her. And then the last thing that I thought might help is is to give her books that address some of these questions to help her um, explore you know, with other people. So there's a series of books called The Really, Really Big Questions. And there's like a new, actually a, a new version by a philosopher named Stephen Law is gonna come out in July. And it's uh, right for this age group. And some of, the, some of the questions that his daughter is interested in are addressed in that book with pictures and it's in an age-appropriate way. So I might you know, try and offload some of the responsibility for having answers by giving her things to read. I'm thinking about head scratching dad describing his daughter as like, you know, her wheels can spin out sometimes. You two have had eight-year-olds or have eight-year-olds or older. What have you found to be an effective way to, you know, have the conversations that you're talking about here about kind of cultivating wonder and uncertainty, but also just like helping them relax a bit, you know, and helping them, you know, kind of find their footing again? Yeah, I think that the fact that you need to move on now doesn't mean that the conversation is ending permanently is something I try to communicate to my kids. So, you know, we can talk about this more tomorrow, we can talk about this weekend, or why don't we write down some ideas that we can investigate later. So I think that's one strategy. Also, I think, and again, this gets back to the the dad side, like, I don't know how to answer these questions, or I try to answer as many of them as I can. I think sometimes, like, empowering them, giving them, I want you to write down what you think the answer is, or you think about it, you know, for a few days, and then write down what you think the answer is. I think making it kind of task-oriented for them, I think, is a way of channeling the energy. Fundamentally, if kids know that they're, like, safe, loved, cared for, that you can say to them, I know these are big questions and none of this changes kind of any of those things, right? That I love you, that you're here, that we're keeping you safe to help them sort of ground them. I know for my big thinker, my eight-year-old is in, <laughs> in this zone very much. And we've actually found a lot of like using yoga, meditation, things like that to just be present, like to talk about like, yes, there are these big thoughts, but also we need to be present here. And here are some practices that can help us be present in this world because there are times in which we very much need to be grounded. And there are times in which it's okay to kind of explore this kind of do these thought experiments, right? But there are also times in, in which we're not in a good place to do those or we've become too lost in those. And so learning like, hey, we need to come back. We use the term heart center because that's what they use in our yoga practice. But like, hey, we need to return back to kind of heart center and being present here. And we can talk about this, you know, again. Well, head scratching dad, I hope some of these ideas help. We would love to know how it goes. Everyone else, how are you dealing with all the big questions? Email us at momanddad at slate.com. That's also where you can send any other questions you have. And that's it for our show. We actually won't have an episode on Monday because it's a holiday. But join us next Thursday for a conversation with Scott about his wonderful book. And of course, we won't forget the recommendations, so be sure to tune in. While you're at it, please subscribe to the show. That way you'll never miss an episode. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Jasmine Ellis and Rosemary Belson. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Scott Hershevitz, I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.